I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a holistic look at music's effect on our everyday lives. We've talked before on the show about the similarities between athletic performers and musical performers, and one thing these groups have in common is a susceptibility to repetitive use injuries. Another reality these groups have in common is that our physical performances are highly affected by what's going on between our ears, <laughs> our mental and emotional states. And these states are highly influenced by a number of factors. I have with me today the perfect person to discuss how we as musicians can nurture our well-being in a holistic way that will support our lifestyle and career path. With me today is Austin Pantsner, founder and CEO of The Functional Musician, an online coaching company empowering musicians to perform without pain. The program is designed to both overcome and prevent tension, pain, and injury. Austin is a health and wellness professional holding several accredited certifications from the National Academy of Sports Medicine, Precision Nutrition, and Functional Movement Systems. He is currently finishing up his doctoral studies at Indiana University. Welcome to Enhance Life with Music, Austin. Thank you, Mindy. It's such a pleasure to be here, and this is going to be such a hopefully beneficial conversation for you and your audience. I think so. Well, Austin, you have quite a story of how you became interested in holistic musician wellness and injury prevention. Tell us the story of what led you to this passion for musician health. Mm, Yeah, sure. Would love to. So um, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. And I was doing some reflection this morning and I realized, you know, when I was in high school and middle school, uh, I've actually been an athlete probably since about sixth grade. Mm. Yeah, I did um, a lot of track. I even did football. I did um, dodgeball regularly enough to say I did dodgeball, <laughs> 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 uh, as well as uh, lifted weights. And that's been a pretty prominent uh, theme throughout my entire life. So um, in terms of athletics and the musician, you could say the health and wellness part has always been there. But it wasn't until uh, my performance diploma that um, when I entered at IU back in 2015 and 16, after I completed my master's degree at IU, that it really became something more of a focus and a passion more than anything. So in my master's degree, I played tenor trombone, and I didn't. I was so focused on practicing, I didn't really play in a lot of ensembles. Mm-hmm. And I went to a small liberal arts school for my undergrad, and when you're the only performance or one of the only uh, few performance majors in a small school, you're encouraged to take advantage of all of those opportunities. So in my undergrad, it wasn't uncommon for me to play six to ten hours a day just because I'd be in orchestra, jazz band, um, you know, a chamber group, and also preparing for, you know, a recital and excerpts. Mm-hmm. And after my master's degree, I always wanted to switch to bass trombone, but I just decided to take um, the orchestra and jazz band audition, and I ended up winning both of them at Indiana University. So I played in Brett Wallerab's big band, which was a blast, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> and um, during that time, I also was very proactive and developed my own chamber brass quintet with the bass trombone, replacing the tuba. And I was also preparing for a recital and auditions. So I resumed this lifestyle that I had in my undergrad that... You know, where I was playing eight to ten hours a day, and one month into that, I remember I was sitting down for jazz band rehearsal. We were in the middle of playing a tune, and um, you know, I had some signs leading up to that. But you know, I like I said, I've 
been an athlete my entire life. So I was like, nah, it's okay. I'm just tired. Uh-huh. Uh, I was thinking to myself, like, I'll just cook a big fat steak when I get home. It'll all be good. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, huge sharp pain just entered my forearm and I couldn't even hold up my instrument. Oh, I couldn't man. squeeze. I couldn't do anything. And I had to excuse myself from that rehearsal um, very embarrassingly enough. But um, it was very fortunate for me that I actually didn't have to take time away from my instrument. And for those of you listeners out there that don't play trombone, we have something called an ergobone. It's like an ergonomic device. If you imagine it's like a bipod, except there's only one pod. I forget, like a monopod, basically. And basically what happens is you put that on, you attach it to your trombone, and when you're sitting, you can put it on a chair. Mm. So the weight of the trombone is no longer held up by your hand, your shoulder, and your back. Mm. And that really helped me actually really take advantage of my performance diploma that I literally just started after going through that injury. Hmm. But unfortunately for me, that's not where the injury stopped. I actually ended up developing several other injuries along the way. And, you know, that injury quickly spread to my shoulders, both my left and my right. I developed huge knots underneath both of my scapula. And one week before one of my doctoral recitals, I actually... Um, I was over-practicing, speaking of repetitive stress, and all of those injuries just accumulated, and basically what happened is every time I would take a full breath, as relaxed as possible, I just felt searing pain in my chest, and as you can imagine, my recital did not go, you know, as well as I wanted to. Yeah, and during this whole course of time where you're having this accumulation of injuries, you were getting treatment, I think, for those, right? Yeah, I was, yeah, definitely. So Indiana University has, or the Jacobs School of Music has its own, like, department for health and wellness. And there's a physical therapist in there as well as um, there's, like, a team. It's, like, a physical therapist, and then they have an assistant where they teach them all the ropes and stuff. And it's really, really cool. And I was seeing them pretty regularly I was also getting massages. Uh, I was exploring body mapping, Feldenkrais Alexander technique. I was, you know, exploring yoga. I was just doing whatever I possibly could to, you know, get myself back to a baseline so I could just do what I love and, you know, do what I came to do. And with all of these therapies and treatments, were you seeing any positive progress? You know, it, that's a really good question. I'm sure I was. Um, the only thing I would say, Mindy, that I did not actively seek out was, was, um, was therapy, the mental side oh, of therapy. Oh, sure, sure. And uh, kind of looking back, um, that definitely, I think, would have helped more than anything just because of the mm. psychological aspects of an injury can be very, very debilitating. And it yeah. was for me. I'm a, I'm a person who tends to overthink if I'm not careful. Mm-hmm. And that's just a very it – it was a very destructive cycle, but um, it was helping me – like have a steady baseline, deal with all these symptomatic issues that came up. Um, but the problem is I kept having so many flare ups. I was, and I was trying so many different things. I was having so many different flare ups that it was so hard to pinpoint what was going on. Sure. Well, and that's so traumatic too. I mean, that plays into the whole mental uh, thing that you're talking about and how the Mm -hmm. mental therapy could have been helpful for that. And how long did all of this injury cycle last? It lasted about three years. And then what happened? And then, well, (laughs) funny story is, um, you know, I was actually ready to quit. I was ready to quit music. I was ready to stop, you know, my doctorate and just, you know, pursue something else. And because of the injuries, because of the injuries. Yeah. It was just like going into the mental side of things. Like every time a flare up would happen or every time I would regress and, you know, I felt like I was starting over. Yeah. 
And, you know, after going through three years of that, I was just so frustrated. I was like, oh, great. Like, well, I've always loved health and wellness. So, you know, I have two options. I can either quit school now or in my spare time, I can just kind of develop these skills needed to possibly pursue a side career if I need to. Mm. And that's kind of where these certifications came in. And I did a lot of research into which ones I wanted because I was like, well, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to invest in like another skill and this, these expensive certifications, I was like, well, I I could try to fit, you know, this is the only thing I haven't really tried was, you know, approaching it from a sports science perspective. And the certifications that you pursued were those in areas that you had not yet experienced yourself. Like you mentioned PT and yoga and things like that. Did you kind of go to other therapies that you hadn't already experienced? Yeah, all, all of the things I said earlier were the things that, you know, I tried. So, you know, all of those things I've never experienced before. And, you know, when I was looking into getting these certifications, I, uh, I went over to the, um, the health school at IU and I considered just switching and going back to a master's degree and pursuing um, kinesthesiology, pursuing physical therapy and all of that stuff. But mm-hmm. some part of me deep inside was not ready to completely give up music yet. Sure. So the the amount of time that IU puts their students through from the health and wellness side, especially for the physical therapy students, is uh, equivalent to that of a music degree. You're talking 40 to 60 80 to 80 hours a week, including all the studying mm. and wow. the workshops and classes. And I spoke to a lot of teachers over there, and a lot of their school or a lot of their um, A lot of those conversations geared me towards different directions, but ultimately what happened is they all led down this path towards being encouraged to pursue uh, corrective exercise and personal training, not necessarily from the National Academy of Sports Medicine. That was on my own basis, but, um, you know, they could definitely tell, like, my heart was still in the music. So, you know, I really appreciate their guidance for that. Sure. So you kept up with the music studies, but then also did a lot of these certifications and trainings on the side? Yeah. So basically, um, I still had to, you know, as a doctoral student at IU, you have to take so many academic classes. And so outside of my academic classes and outside of my very, very limited amount of practicing that I was able to do, I was in the library. I was on my laptop researching these things and gaining these certifications on the side. Because, you know, like any moment I was expecting, number one, the injury to get worse or have one of those relapses where... You know, I'm just ready to quit, and I wanted to get those certifications done with as soon as possible. So what brought you to the point of dabbling in these things on the side to, this is what I want to do? That's a great question. So along my certifications, I had a lot of friends in music, or a lot of musician friends who kind of knew my story, who I would confide in, and they were kind of my support beacon for a while, and they also were going through some tension and a little bit of pain, not like I experienced, but still significantly enough where they felt like it was affecting their performance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they would they knew I went to the gym basically every day and they were like, can I go with you? And then we go, we'd work out. And then at the end, they'd be like, hey, I'm having trouble with this. You know, can you can you walk me through some stuff? And I was like, OK, cool. You know, if you know, this is great. I can apply some of the concepts that I'm learning. And, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of learning it for yourself, teaching is one of the most effective ways to learn any type of skill. And after working with just a couple, like instantly, like um, I was surprised to see how instant their changes were, especially in their posture. 
Hmm. Um, I, I remember <laughs> one of my one of my friends, Tom. I'm not going to name his last name, um, but he's a he's a doofus. I love him, <laughs> and he's he's a tall guy, and he's always struggled with his upper body posture, as most tall people do when they hang around all of their short friends subconsciously. <laughs> um, but you know, after like just doing some exercises, he was like, wow, I actually, I've never felt taller before. And like my, my pain in my shoulder is, is, you know, it doesn't feel like it's, it's there anymore. And this was after work, you know, just giving him a couple exercises just for like five minutes, which is absolutely um, amazing to see those instant results. But his shoulders were very, very rounded. And then he went to go practice and I saw him the next day and his posture was still there and he was able to keep it. And seeing him outside of his trombone like his posture was really really great and then when we went to the practice room he was actually had a little bit more confidence when he was playing because he was able to stand up straight stand up taller and you know just kind of those types of things dealing with those with my friends and going through those experiences Mm -hmm. really put a um really gave me a lot of inspiration that i was on the right track Uh and it felt really really good to help people through things that they were struggling with um, and because it's, I, this doesn't mean to sound braggy, but because I've been in health and wellness and an athlete for my entire life, some of these things, uh, I guess, come easier than, you know, other things presented throughout the certification. So I, I felt like it was a really good fit. And also along those lines, at Indiana University, we have 2,000 music students. And I was not the only one going through injury. There were other people going through injury, other people trying the same things I have, other people on the same path. And... Sure. Well, it's interesting that the things that you were using with your friends were working for them, but they had not worked for you. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it was working for me. The stuff that I was doing, um, working with them, was stuff that worked for me. Okay, but not enough that you were able to continue with your music studies. Right, right. Not enough to where like um, the tension and pain did not affect my practice and performance. Okay. So what was different about what you're doing with your friends that was working so well, but wasn't able to correct the, the problems you were experiencing? Right. So the stuff that I would experiment with on my friends, um, just to be clear, was stuff that was working on me. But the stuff that wasn't working on me was, you know, the, um, the body mapping and the Alexander technique, the massage therapy, etc. So the, the things that were working were what? The things that were working were these concepts that I was taking out of um, my personal training certifications. So, you know, just from a posture basis, being aligned, strengthening weak parts of the body, and just being aware of how you hold yourself and how you move. Okay, so those were things you were taking from more of a traditional personal training path and applying it directly to musicians. Yeah, exactly. And that was something yeah. that you had not been able to experience when you were going through some of the therapy. Is that right? That That is correct. Yes. Okay. So you were taking some more traditional concepts and applying them specifically and adapting them specifically for musicians. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's really well said, Mindy. So yeah, that's that pretty much sums it up. And okay. And what, like you mentioned the personal training and the posture, what are some other examples of programs and training that you received? Like, was there nutrition that you applied specifically to musicians? What were some of the other examples of mainstream, non-musician geared therapies or treatments that you specifically adapted for musicians that you found really helpful? Yeah, so... 
one of one of my certifications is by Precision Nutrition, and they are they're really really great in the sense that they all of their concepts, all of their habits, quote unquote, and I'll explain that in a minute, are evidence based and research based. So they have their own team that are constantly um, putting in research and doing work and publishing studies to support their claims. And basically, what Precision Nutritious Nutrition is, it's a habit based nutrition program. So over the course, you work with them for a year, and over the course of a year, they help you implement habits in your life that support you, you know, support the lifestyle that you want to live. And for musicians, you know, there's a lot of different habit cycles in graduate school and undergrad that many people get into. And one of those is I don't have to eat. Mm. <laughs> I don't have to eat lunch. I don't have time to eat. Okay. I'm just going to go to the practice room. I'm going to eat a granola bar you know, for the second half of my day, and I'm just going to practice, 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 practice. Mm -hmm. And just from a sustainability uh, standpoint or perspective, um, number one, it's not sustainable. Number two, you're not giving your body the, the amount of energy that it needs to really focus and really perform at a high level. Because as you said earlier, these repetitive stress issues, you know, they do build up mm -hmm. and they are present in our society. So from a nutrition standpoint, um, you know, I'm not really, I don't really help my clients lose weight or gain weight. Although that is something that, um, you know, I feel confident I could do. It's more of, you know, how does food make you feel physically? Okay. How does it make you feel mentally? Do you feel foggy after you eat? Or do uh, you feel really, really focused and really energized? Okay. And the same thing with just being aware of how your body reacts to food. You know, after, you know, eating fry food, you know, I noticed you take a nap every time you eat fry food. Why, why is that? And just okay. planting that seed in that question makes them start to question like, oh, what else does fried food do to my body? And then as they eat it, you know, they're really hyper aware of, you know, what their body is doing an hour to two hours after. Mm -hmm. And being able to relate that to practice sessions and performance, you know, it, it really does tie into a lot of different things. Sure. And, um, you, you mentioned on your website a functional movement screen. When I read that, I immediately thought, Alexander technique, like, I wonder what the differences are. But you mentioned that earlier and said this is different. So tell us what's different about the functional movement that you deal with and Alexander technique. Sure. So for me, Alexander technique, I do want to throw out there that I took about five lessons and no more. So if I dove deeper into it, I'm not sure if I can accurately say too, too much about it. But basically the functional movement screen that I have, I have a certification from functional movement systems and they are a huge believer in seven different movements that need to be screened for. And during those, those seven different movements translate to every area of life. So and functional can, movement systems, that's not specifically geared toward musicians. You've taken that information and adapted it for musicians. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I don't do everything they say. I took about four of their exercises and then I adapted the other three specifically for musicians with the thoracic, so the upper body, and then, uh, of course, the shoulders and then the middle back as well. So basically what the functional movement screen is, they go through these different movements and you're able to recognize by the end of it, a lot of different movement faults that can point to a lot of different things going on with the body. 
what's different between Alexander Technique is that we're looking at functional movements. So we're looking at a squat. We're looking at a type of lunge. You know, we're looking at how you reach and how you move your body when you bend down. We're looking at how your shoulders move. And are um, those movements that you're looking at because people are doing these throughout their day away from their instrument and it's affecting their time with their instrument? These are patterns that translate into every area of life. So, you know, I think I believe there are two different pillars. You know, we have our health and wellness outside of our musical performance, but we also have our you know, our instrument-based pillar where you're talking about technique, your musicality, and how you hold yourself in your instrument. So I view these as two different two different perspectives. Okay. And part of my job as a coach is once we have that pillar of the health and wellness is we do want to bridge that gap and bridge that connection between health and performance so they can apply what they've learned outside of the instrument when they go to their instrument. Ah. So they have that foundation to approach it from. because. Oh, okay. Because if you think about it, we only practice, you know, <laughs> I would say the average person only practices two to four hours a day. And if we're sleeping eight hours a day, that's 12 other hours throughout the day that you could be holding yourself, mm -hmm. moving yourself and, you know, having these different movement patterns that could definitely take a toll. Mm, sure. Well, your website talks about your holistic transformation program. It, it is adapted and designed specifically for musicians. And there's four different steps that are included in that. Can you walk us through those four different steps? Yeah, of course. So, you know, the first step, we do take people through different assessments. So we look at a lifestyle assessment, we'll look at a movement assessment, and we'll also look at um, before pictures, and we'll look at them playing their instrument. Not really for a very, very long time. You know, 30 to 60 seconds from different angles can really tell a lot about how they usually play. And <laughs> uh, after we do that, basically what, we're, what we do is we look at certain habits from their lifestyle that they have, and we'll start implementing some of those into the first week of the program. Okay. But but in the program, we do things a little bit differently in the sense that a lot of other modern programs out there, they throw you into this complex system right away. But something I've been really encouraged to do since going through the Precision Nutrition Program myself and seeing how the brain works and how it learns is to build up these steps, build up these habits, build up this change step by step by step. So by the time you're in week five of the Functional Musician Program, you're actually in this full complex system and you're more encouraged to stay on track if you happen to miss a couple of different things because you already have certain cogs in the machine already running, sure. if that makes sense. So this first step of assessment, analysis, and program design, is that a five-week time period that we're looking at? Well, the assessment happens before the first week of the program. So oh, I call okay. the program is really like a baker's dozen. I have one week for assessment, and then we jump into that first week. But throughout the program, there are milestones that we want to hit, and there are reassessments. We recheck re in to make sure that the work we're doing is actually sticking, okay. and if we need to adjust our programming moving forward. So, for example, if I had a client come to me um, and their upper back is really, really tight, their thoracic is closed, and they have a hard time reaching their arms overhead, one of our goals would be to make sure, well, let's open up the thoracic, let's strengthen certain back muscles that help the scapula stay put, <laughs> in a sense, and be able to raise your arms above your head with your full range of motion. And if we can do that, we can re if we retest it and they can do that after four or five weeks, we can move on to other things that are just as pressing that we want to make sure that we get to before the end of the 12 weeks. Okay. 
And the second step is bulletproof your body. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is pretty much like a pretty constant theme throughout the entire entire program. You know, we we focus on mobility, um, you know, six out of seven days a week. You know, that's throughout the entire um, program. We focus on strengthening certain body parts. Everybody's going to be different. You know, some people come to me with a lot of lower body issues because they're sitting down for eight to 12 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people come to me with no lower body issues. And the yeah. same could be with the upper body. And it really just depends on the person. But, you know, we want to go through this process of developing body awareness, you know, being able to recognize that tension and pain in the body. You want to be able to strengthen the body into alignment. So resist all of those natural tendencies of the body where our shoulders want to round forward, our head wants to come down. Mm-hmm. And that's the third step, right? Strengthen your body into alignment. So we have the first step of assessment, analysis, and program design. Number two, bulletproof your body. Three, strengthen your body into alignment. And then the fourth step is adaptation and tool development. Yeah, so this comes on the line of mindset. And you know, this is my fault because I do need to update the website, but the tools is is really all about mindset and learning about yourself. Mm. You know, learning about the process of learning, learning how you work as a person and learning how you can can take control of your health and wellness. Mm. So, we want to make sure that by the end of the 12 weeks that you know, you learn about yourself. You learn how you learn and you you learn these different tools and tricks to keep you on the path that you're already going. So, you know, we've gotten you to a point, we've guided you on this path. We want you to be able to take control and, you know, walk up theoretically that mountain um, and feel confident doing so. So, you know, this involves meditation, daily mindfulness, being Mm -hmm. able to recognize when you get in those negative thought patterns and how to get out of them. Mm -hmm. And also recognizing, like, if you do fall off, uh, you know, this habit train, if you do fall off this program, you can... You have the tools needed to motivate yourself to get back on track and do the things necessary to get you back on track, if that makes sense. So the whole program tends to be about 12 weeks then? Yep, that's correct. Okay, and I know there's a button on your website that listeners can click for what you call a clarity call. Is that just to get a little bit more information on on the program if if they're seriously considering it? Yeah, so the clarity call is actually clarity for my end. And that's from the sense that... I approach health and wellness in a very specific way, number one. And number two, not all personalities jive together. So I want to make sure that, you know, we're both on the same page and we jive well together. And the clarity call is also um, just to see kind of what's going on, because there are a lot of things that I really don't feel comfortable with. And we do have a lot of resources here available and we have a lot of connections. And if I don't feel comfortable with someone's situation or I feel like it's out of my wheelhouse, I will connect them with someone that I feel like would be a better fit or I Mm. feel like would actually be able to help them with their situation. That's so. great. I really applaud you for doing that. I mean, oh, a lot thank of people yeah. will just take whatever clients they can get, whether they feel they're the, the, an appropriate fit or not. And I really have a lot of respect for people who will say, you know what, I'm not the best fit, but here's somebody who can really help you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. You have a blog on your website. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Is that something that's available to anyone? If people are thinking, boy, this sounds really interesting, I'd like to just dip my toe in and learn a little bit more, or is that just available for clients? How often, what's the frequency of the blog? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure, yeah. So the blog was a little pet project before I actually launched, and 
Honestly, because of COVID, I have not been on top of publishing new blog posts. That has been something that I want to get back into this year just to um, spur my creative writing and allow people, you know, something to go and read, something to connect with and something to try. And it's something that is available on my website. You just go to thefunctionalmusician.com slash blog. It's also at the top of the page. And basically what I talk about is different health and wellness concepts. uh, And more importantly, the connection for what it means to being a musician. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we, a lot of these concepts, we're always told we need good sleep, we need to hydrate, we need to eat well, but why? Mm, Sure. (laughs) Why, Why does it matter? Well, the the brief look that I took at that showed a very holistic approach and posts that included topics related to energy, nutrition, mindfulness, some of the things that we've been talking about. So I would definitely encourage any listeners who are intrigued by this holistic concept to take a look at that and kind of get a little bit more of a picture of your approach. Uh, How is your injury doing right now? Um, I have been officially injury-free since... Uh, it will be three years in February. Oh, great. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's been going really, really well. Um, I did have a flare up, but sometimes life just throws you curveballs. You know, I, I, yeah. I was in a car for 24 hours over a two day period. Then I helped my girlfriend's parents move and then I helped, <laughs> I helped someone else move. So sometimes <laughs> you can't really, that's just, I think that was just life, not a flare up, but sure. you know, um, I think what's really, really cool is that, you know, uh, when these when life does happen, I was able to get back on track and prevent that from, you know, developing into something worse that could affect my performance. Sure. But um, I'm just so grateful to actually be able to play music again and be able to love music again and really just focus and center down and, you know, do something that's been a part of my life for, you know, my entire life. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing a song or a story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Do you have a song or a story that you can share with us today? Sure, yeah. So, you know, I want to talk about like the first week of my master's program at IU. Mm. So, you know, um, I didn't really have a huge musical upbringing. I was in a competitive high school Uh, music environment and I had a lot of opportunities in my undergrad but I didn't really understand how impactful music could be until my first week of my master's at IU and basically what happened was the first concert I went to was Respighi Pines of Rome and that was the first time I ever heard it done live and when I got to IU I mean the brass the trombones the brass everybody was just I mean those sections were really really just loaded and they were really killer players, doctoral students who now have, you know, really prestigious jobs. And I just remember getting to that last movement. And, you know, as, as it was approaching that climax, I was just overrun with so many emotions. And um, <laughs> I was next to two people I just met and I just started bawling. So I was like trying to like relieve my, like trying to hide it. And it just kept getting louder. And I was just surrounded um, by all of this beautiful, beautiful sounds, and I just lost it at the end, and um, all of those emotions just came rushing through me, and, um, you know, it was at that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, this is totally what I want to do for the rest of my life, Um, so, so special, and, you know, along those lines, over the course of the next two weeks, I literally listened to so many different styles of music at IU that, um, that I was just developing an ear and experiencing all of these emotions in other stylistic genres. You know, I saw The Marriage of Figaro by Mozart. You know, I went to Wayne Wallace's Latin jazz band. I went to Brett Wallerab's big band. And 
Um, despite being all of these different styles and different music, it was just so incredibly inspiring and transformative to experience these types of players and these types of ensembles at such a high level in person for the first time, being 22. Thank you, Austin, for sharing your story with us and sharing the hope that is offered through the functional musician. I had a music-related injury, golfer's elbow and tennis elbow, over 10 years ago and really wondered if I was going to be able to keep playing the piano or scoop ice cream ever again. (laughs) And it really was a multi-pronged approach that eventually brought healing, but it was drawn out and a trial and error process that was more painful and took much longer than it would have, I'm sure, if I had Austin's functional musician coaching. If the topic of holistic health and wellness and or injury healing and prevention is of interest to you, check out the many links in the show notes, including the functional musician.com. One way that music has been enhancing my life recently is through my attendance at some virtual music-related conferences. At one of them, I heard a presentation by another music podcaster that I really enjoyed and have since connected with this producer and host and wanted to introduce you to the excellent content of the Business Side of Music podcast. Here's a quick taste of the podcast from host Bob Bender of Nashville who is an established music industry veteran. This is Bob Bender, host of the Business Side of Music podcast. Check out our show where we talk about all things related to the music industry. We laugh, we share memories, we discuss what's worked and what didn't work. Our industry is always evolving and can never be locked inside a box. From the rookie fresh off the bus to the well-seasoned professional wondering which new direction to take their career, our show covers all the bases. Join us as we chase this elusive animal we like to call the music industry. Check us out at businesssideofmusic.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.